Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for listening to our weekly audio sermons podcast. Duns Creek Baptist Church is a community alive by grace and known by love. We long to be a force for good here in Putnam County, Florida. You can learn more about us on the web by visiting dunscreekbaptist.org or visit us any Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. for worship. Now, please enjoy the message. We are in our fifth week today on Super Bowl Sunday. We are in our fifth week of our opening sermon series for the year. And our opening sermon series for the year, we believe, is really rooted in this idea that God has given us as a church kind of an anointing word for 2020. And we believe that that word is simplify. And simplifying is something that takes intentionality. It's something that doesn't come natural because our human instinct is always towards complexity and complication. The problem is, is that we are the people who have been entrusted by God to carry the gospel message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to the world. And if we are complicated, if we are complex, if we make this message unnecessarily difficult to understand, then we will miss our opportunity to be the people that God has called us to be. And so, in 2020, in 2020, our heart is to focus more. We go back a slide for me. In 2020, our heart is to focus more on the simple gospel that unites rather than the complexity that divides. In 2020, our heart is to focus on a simple gospel because in that simple gospel, we are united. We are united as the church. We are united as the people of God, and we are united with the world because what we understand in a simple gospel is you and I are not saved because we're better than anyone else or holier than anyone else or more moral than anyone else. We are saved because the same blood that was shed for you and for me was shed for every human being on this earth who will come to believe in Jesus. And so we get to be united with the whole world because we were all equally in need, in desperate need of good news. And in Jesus, we have received that good news. And so in 2020, we want to focus more on that simple gospel because it unites us. And so as we have been gathering around the simple gospel that unites, what we've done is we've taken this ancient text of the church, what we know as the Apostles' Creed, and we've updated some of the language of the Apostles' Creed so that you can understand a little more clearly what it's saying. So we've done what Pastor Tim loves to say, which is we put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And so what we're doing every time that we do this sermon series is we are standing up together and we're reciting this updated ancient creed of the church. So won't you stand with me? as we read together. We believe in God the Father, author and creator of all. We believe in God the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, the promised Messiah. He was crucified, died, and was buried, canceling the debt of our sin. On the third day, He rose again to bring us new life. He ascended to heaven. He will come again. We believe in God the Spirit, our ever-present helper and advocate. 
breathing resurrection life into the redeemed, empowering and equipping us for our work on earth. We believe in the church, the connected body of global believers, the hands and feet of Christ. We believe in Christ's love as the model for every thought, word, and action toward God and man. We believe in the forgiveness of sin, resurrection power, and life overflowing and everlasting. Amen. Amen. And you can have a seat. See, the beautiful thing about a creed, the beautiful thing about a simple gospel creed is it helps us to remember that we are united by something that is deeper and truer than all of the things that tend to divide us. And division is something that is really dangerous. And so today, I want to talk about why division is so dangerous. But a little recap of where we've been in the first four weeks of this series. First week, God, the Father, author, and creator of all, God made us with purpose. Second week, our sin led to distance and death. Our sin led to distance between us and God in death. So in our third week, we looked at this truth that Jesus Christ came to make things right. He came to be our perfect sacrifice and to become our high priest. He came to make things right. And last week, even in a Baptist church, we talked about how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, is here to breathe resurrection power into us. And so that's beautiful. And what I love about this is every church, every gospel-believing church in the history of Christianity, every church that has ever been a part of what we would consider to be Orthodox Christian faith believes this. So why, why are there so many denominations? Why is it on Sunday morning, especially in the American South, Sunday morning is the most racially segregated period of time that exists in our calendar? Why is it that despite the fact that we all believe this, why do we live in a world of so much division? And so my question today is around God's purpose for the church. And I want to kind of phrase it this way. What happens when people are united and gathered around this message? What happens when we are unified, united, and gathered around the message of this simple gospel? And so today, in part five, we're going to look at the church. We're going to look at what it means to be the church. Now, I want to share with you something that I've heard a lot. Now, again, my, my background before coming here as pastor was always in college ministry, and so I, I spent 12 years of ministry with 18 to 25-year-olds, so kind of mostly millennials and, and then eventually towards the end, kind of Generation Z. And so what I know to be true from my generation, are there any other Gen Xers out there? Okay, just a few of you, so it's mostly boomers in the room. Okay, 
Now, what I know to be true from my generation, at least from people who I knew from church, I knew who grew up in church, is they began to say something. And I thought, man, that's such a foolish thing to say. That's such a dumb thing to say. I'm sure the next generation won't say something that stupid. And then I was doing college ministry, and I heard millennials saying it. And now Generation Z is saying it. And here's the thing. As I'm no longer doing college ministry, and I'm now a pastor of a church, and I get to minister to people of every age, I've heard 70-year-olds say this. And so I don't think it's a generational thing. I think this is just something that people really carry with them and they believe. And this is what I've heard. You know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Anyone ever heard that before? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, here's my problem with a statement like that. It's technically true, but so what? And here's here's why. It would be the equivalent of me telling you, you know, the reason I don't drink bleach is because the taste is awful. It may be true, but so what? The bigger issue at play is that it's poison. And if I say something like, hey, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, yeah, if I buy into the premise, sure, that's true. But if you buy into that premise, you've leapfrogged over a massive truth that's supposed to reshape our whole lives in existence. And so at the risk of sounding like someone who's bitter over something I've heard people say way too many times, today's message is really about unpacking this idea that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yes, that's technically true, but if that's the way you see it, you've bought into a premise that misses the point. You've missed the point on what God intends And so I want to help us today see what the church is. And the only way to really see what the church is, is we have to get to the root cause of why so many of us can say something like, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And here's the problem. We often carry baggage from churches. Has anyone ever been hurt by a church? Has anyone ever been hurt by someone in a church? Has anyone ever gone, I'm never going there again because of what they said or what they did? It happens. It happens. I think if we're honest, if you've spent more than a week at church, someone has said something that made you mad. Someone has done something that made you upset. And if you've been in church for more than a year, someone has likely done something that deeply wounded you. But the problem is we carry this baggage from churches and then we miss out on God's intention for the church. And we've got to do a really good job of separating out this idea that God did not intend for these little groups, for these little churches to define what he wanted the church to be because the church is not something we go to. The church is not a building. 
The church is not an organization. The church is the very people of God. And the people of God are flawed and broken. And we're being healed by the Christ who came to save us right where we were, just as we were, and who loved us too much to leave us there. But that means that any time two or three are gathered, it means two or three flawed, broken, sinful people are gathered, and flawed, broken, sinful people have the tendency to hurt one another. And so maybe the very thing that has kept you away from churches is the exact thing God wants to do in you as the church. Maybe the broken hearts that we've gotten from churches, maybe the healing for that heartbreak is found in the church. But we've got to understand what God's intention is for the church to really understand that, to really grab hold of that idea. And so I want to share with you what Jesus said about the church. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He's speaking to Peter. And he says this to Peter. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yeah, right? Come on. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is going, hey, guess what? You know what's gonna build the church? Not an effective program or not a really great kids ministry or not the awesome worship team. Here's what's gonna build the church. Jesus. I don't know, I've been going there and I don't really like the pastor and I feel like I don't get a whole lot. I'm really not being fed from his sermons. And it's like, all right, great. The pastor's not the one building the church. Jesus is. Jesus saying, hey, it's me. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The problem is we're reading an English translation of a Greek text. And when you read a translation, what often happens is that there's been a number of translations between the original text and the text that we're reading, and the same is true for the Scriptures. And so there's a word that we use Church, there's a word we use in our name, Duns Creek Baptist Church. We use this word church. But church comes from a Germanic word, kirch. And kirch was the word that was used to describe pagan temples. So the best understanding of the Germanic word kirch is temple. And so if we read this in the English translation, it's easy for us to read, I will build my temple and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, that's not really what he's saying. It kind of is, but not really. And actually, Paul spends a majority of his letters kind of helping us understand the difference between them. But let me break it down and show you the original Greek word that Jesus uses here. This is how we should read this text. I will build my church, my ecclesia. Ecclesia is a Greek compound word, and it means the gathered and called out the gathered and called out. This is what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I 
will build my community of the gathered and called out, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. That's what Jesus was saying. And so if we make Jesus' words in Matthew into, I'm gonna build my building. I'm gonna build my organization. I'm gonna build my event. If we read the words of Jesus that way, we miss the whole point of what the church is supposed to be. Because this is what I want us to understand. Three things we're gonna discover about the church today. Number one, the church is not an event to attend, but a people to be. The church is not an event to attend. So don't tell me, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Sure, because the church isn't something you go to. Church is not an event. The church is not a building. Church is not an organization. The church is who we are. The gathered and the called out. But this is what Paul says about the church in Romans chapter 12. And by the way, Paul writes this to the church in Rome because the church in Rome was facing one of the earliest major crises of the church. And you know what the earliest major crises of the church was? Racism. The earliest major crisis of the church was racism because Jews and Gentiles didn't get along with each other because of their centuries of ethnic conflict. So if you read Paul's letters in the New Testament, you're reading someone who's writing to the church and saying, you've got to get over your racism. Because the church is intended to be diverse. And he says it this way in chapter 12 of Romans. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's what Paul is saying, and he makes the same argument in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is making this point that the church is not a building, it's not an organization, it's a body. It's a body, and a body is built on systems of interdependence. You can't look at one part of your body as disconnected or separate or divided from another part of your body. You can't say, well, you know what I really love about my body? I really love my cardiovascular system. The lungs, the lungs can just go. I could care less about the lungs. As long as I have my cardiovascular system, I am doing great. In the meanwhile, your lungs are going, yeah, but where are you going to get oxygen to put in to the bloodstream that you need to pump your heart in. The best way I, I really understood this was right before I turned 18 years old and I was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. And see, what happened for me is that one day I woke up and my pancreas was just done. My pancreas was like, that's it, I quit later. And by the way, some of us have done that in the church, right? 
My pancreas was just like, forget this, I'm gone. But here's what stinks. My pancreas quit. And now I have to spend my whole life dealing with every other system in my body that was impacted by one part of my body going, I'm done. God has designed the church not to be an event, not to be an organization, but to be a body. And bodies function on systems of interdependence, which is why Paul says we are members individually one of another. Paul is literally saying, I don't just owe you something. I'm just not beholden to you. I'm a part of you. Paul is saying, look, here's what it means to be a part of the church. To be a part of the church means that you literally belong to others. And they belong to you. Because they're not the same without you. And you are not the same without them. So, I'm not going to point fingers, and I'm not going to stare unrelentingly at anyone in the room. But I want you just to think right now, and don't look, don't look, don't point. But I want you to think of that person you go to church with that you can't stand. I want you to think right now of the person that you're a part of the body with, and you go home, and you talk to your spouse about them. And I want you to grab hold of this idea. You belong to them. And they belong to you. Now, do you see why the church is much more difficult than we once thought? Because the church is not just an event to attend. Anyone can attend an event. And by the way, we live in a culture where churches are really great at putting together bigger and more elaborate and more exciting and more entertaining events. And we can do that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that if it's your mechanism to tell more and more people about Jesus. But if we start confusing the show for the church, we will miss what God wants to do in our hearts. God wants, us to, God wants to connect us to one another in such an integral way that we live together in systems of interdependence. My life isn't the same without you. And if I'm living as Christ has called me to live, your life isn't the same without me. And that kind of unity extends beyond the walls of a building, which is why I'm so grateful I got to tell you, I've, I've been involved in churches in South Florida and Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I've been in churches in Orlando. I've been, in, I've been on staff with churches, with a church in St. Augustine. The thing that I love so much about being a minister in Putnam County, Florida, is God is doing something here. And I don't know if you can sense it. I don't know if you can see it. But there is a group of churches and a group of pastors across every kind of old historic divide lines this group of pastors, these, this community of churches is being united together because we realize that we're not separated by denomination and we're not separated by geography and we're not separated by culture and we're not separated by race. And so here's the kind of things that happen. On Wednesday night, our, our budget and finance committee and our bookkeeper were, 
we're doing, we're counting up our, our offering from the weekend, and a letter had come in from Victory Christian Fellowship. Our, our friends, our Assemblies of God church just up the road, uh, our friends Mark and Rachel Chumney are the pastors there. And so this is what they did, their first offering of the year. They said, hey, we're not taking this for this house. We're sending it out to other houses. And so we just got a check to help pay down the debt that we owe here from another church. That's what Victory Christian Fellowship did. Come on. And we've had the opportunity, some of our leadership here, and through some of the last few years, what we've seen happen with Awakened Community Worship Gatherings, we've seen just this move happen where churches are, are becoming united together. And the reason that we believe that it's happening is not because it's some new thing, it's not some new event, it's not some new program, it's just this is what God wanted his church to be. Since the Protestant Reformation, there have been more and more denominations created every century. And so if you track the number of denominations globally and you track it by number of centuries since the Protestant Reformation, that's an exponentially rising graph. Which means in the last 500 years, more and more and more denominations have been created. More and more ways to divide us up have been created. And I just believe, I believe from the core of my being that in our lifetimes, we are gonna get to see that trend reverse. We are gonna get to see all those old dividing lines begin to fade away and we are going to get to see the people of God united together as the church, not a church, not a denomination. Because number two, the church is a community of interdependent diversity. See, the reason there's so many denominations today, the reason that we have so many reasons to divide us up is because we've gotten really great in the last number of centuries to essentially go, well, let's get everyone who looks like me and thinks like me and has the same perspective that I do and believes the exact same things about secondary and tertiary points of theology and let's get us all together and we're going to have our group and you're not allowed. And then another group goes, yeah, and I want everyone who looks like me and talks like me and thinks like me and believes this and this and this and this and also hates them. And you're not allowed. And when we do that, what ends up happening is we end up with a bunch of churches that lack diversity. You end up with a bunch of churches that have a homogenous point of view and a homogenous perspective and a homogenous faith system. And what ends up happening in the process is the benefit of the church. The fact that the church is supposed to be united but not uniform. The church is supposed to be a place of unity, not uniformity. The church is a place where we are different, where we look different and we talk different and we sound different and we believe different things. We have different opinions. We belong to different groups. Touchy subject here in the South, you belong to different political parties. The church is supposed to be a place of diversity because the diversity makes us better. Because diversity helps us see 
that someone who looks different and talks different and has a different perspective than me, they still belong to me and I still belong to them. I am still intricately connected to them. And I just believe that so much of the division that we see right now, not just in the church, but on a global scale and on a national scale, so much of the, so much of the division we see right now is just connected to this idea that the church has abandoned her role as, as the one to hold up diversity as the strength of the community. So church, we've got to get better at embracing this message because that's God's plan from the very beginning. The church is a community of interdependent diversity. We are equally united. And boy, are we different. And how we hold the tension of those two things, how we live and wrestle with the tension of those two things is where we give the Holy Spirit of God room to work and change our hearts. Not to change us to make us like someone else, but to change our hearts so that in, the, in that place of tension, we can love one another as Christ has loved us. So the church is a community of interdependent diversity. And if we're gonna be a community of interdependent diversity, what's the benefit of that? What do we do for each other? What is the church supposed to be? If it's not supposed to be an event or an organization or a building, what is the church supposed to be? And this is what Paul says in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four, by the way, there is no Ephesians chapter 12. I just forgot to change the text on that. So Ephesians chapter four, four through six, not Ephesians 12, because that doesn't exist. Speaking the truth in love. Who? Man, talk about something we need to get better at. Speaking the truth in love. See, what we're great at is speaking opinion in anger. What if we got really great at speaking the truth in love? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead, into Christ. Now, see what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that the work of sanctification the work of transformation that happens in our life, that place where we believe that Jesus Christ loved you fully, completely, and perfectly right where you are, exactly as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. Because when Jesus grabs a hold of your life, his goal is to make you look more and more and more like him. So what is Paul saying? Paul is going, look, the church is the instrument through which God transforms us into the image of his son. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's God's purpose for the church? God's purpose for the church, God's purpose for this gathered and called out people, for this people who are a people of unity without being a people of uniformity, for this people who are intricately and interdependently connected to one another. What's God's purpose for that community of faith? That through it, 
we might be transformed into the image of Christ in love. The church, therefore, is a gift of God intended for our growth. So the church is not an event to attend, but a people to be. And the church is a community of interdependently connected diversity. And the church is the gift of God intended for our growth. So, back to the original statement that so aggravates me. You can be a Christian without going to church. Sure. If that's the premise we're all buying in, sure. You can be a Christian without going to church. But Jesus never said the word Christian. Jesus never called us Christians. And when Jesus was talking about the church, he was never talking about an event to attend or a building. So yeah, you can be a Christian without going to church, but you can't be a disciple without being the church. You can't be a disciple without being the church. And so when we gather together on Sunday mornings, this isn't church. This is just what happens when the church gets together. See, the problem is we are the church. And you don't cease to be the church when you walk out of this building and you don't become any more of the church at 10, 35, 36, 37 when we start our service on Sunday morning. You are the church. And you're the church at work on Tuesday just as much as you are right now. And you're the church tonight with your family and friends during the Super Bowl just as much as you are right now. You're the church on Friday night, just as much as you are on Sunday morning. So you can be a Christian without attending church. Sure. But you can't be a disciple of Jesus without being church. Because God in his goodness gave his life he sent his son to die on a cross and shed his blood to pay the debt of our sin. And when he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit, he made it possible for you and I, by the power of that same spirit, to live a, resurrect, a resurrected life. He gave us salvation, but he did not save you alone. He didn't save you alone. He didn't save you by yourself. He saved you in to a body. And so if you've come to know Jesus is Lord, you are a part of the church. No matter where you might be on Sunday morning. And so our heart is to recognize what God has called the church to be because we believe that the church is the hope of the world.